and welcome to this bonus edition of Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the addictive Matt. Hello there. Well then, this has been a long time coming. Yeah. Um, I, I, so, straight up uh, at the top, uh, a huge apology and thanks to the curator, the one and only BT Flippity Gigget. Um, you've been waiting a long time for this bonus episode, um, much longer than originally planned. I won't bore everyone with uh, the excuses, um, but the, the onus was definitely on me. I am the reason that it's taken this long. Look, just lo- life got in the way. We're human beings. People understand that. Uh, yeah, I've got in the way. We, we um, did also realise we're close to the next Wheelie Bit quiz and we've really got to smash yeah. out these uh, listener nominations. Yes, yeah, we but we want to do them justice as well, you know, and that was kind of the thing, uh, part of the thing for me was I didn't just want to... I wanted to take this seriously because, you know, it's um, it's quite a responsibility, I think, to be given uh, something that someone... Has, has specifically requested and uh, to kind of do it justice in a way. Um, so we should probably say what we're going to be talking about this uh, on this bonus episode, Matt. So this was, of course, the, the curator's pick and it was the Virgin New Adventures novel Damaged Goods by one Russell T. Davis. Mm, whatever happened to him? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um... So, uh, I guess for a little bit of context, listeners, if you're not familiar with the uh, Virgin New Adventures, these were a series of novels that were published in the wilderness years. Doctor Who was on seemingly permanent hiatus. Uh, Virgin Publishing gained the rights to publish original Doctor Who novels featuring the Seventh Doctor. Um, and they banged them out at a rate of one per month, I believe. Um, notably because because it was a series aimed at existing fans, existing fans, many of whom by this point were in their 20s, 30s, 40s, um, they geared themselves towards more of an adult crowd, you know. It was, you know, there was much more in the way of... Um, sex, drugs, violence, all that sort of thing than you would ever get on Doctor Who on TV. And uh, so as a result, they are kind of, they're different, you know. It's a very different take on Doctor Who to uh, what you got on TV by, for the most part. Uh, that being said, this is my first experience actually reading a Virgin New Adventures novel. I've, I've read about them before. Um, there are a few that, whose titles I recognise and some key characters and concepts like, you know, Bernie Summerfield and uh, Faction Paradox and things that I'm aware of and have some degree of familiarity with. But this was my first time actually sitting down and reading digital cover to digital cover a uh, version of your adventures novel. What about you, Matt? How, uh, was this your first time reading one of these? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, you surprised me. First and last. Oh, <laughs> uh, you never know. Are we doing this in the picks for next year's Weenie Big Quiz? Uh, we will be, yeah. But if anyone mm. nominates one of these, they're blocked. <laughs> um, 
so yeah I, um and of course uh, for further contextualization this is of course written by rtd this was the, his first contribution to the world of doctor who in any official capacity um he, he should never have been given the job after this. <laughs> you're just going to come straight out and say it you you, you didn't yeah. enjoy this one yeah he shouldn't be given a second pass either yeah well for content he makes this into an episode oh my word I don't think he will. I don't think that's a likely outcome. Apart from anything else, like Big Finish have done an adaptation of it. And uh, yeah, there's all kinds of reasons why I, I don't think that's a likely outcome. Um, but yeah, so to, to, to be clear, in, in RTD's career, this is pre-queer as folk. Um, he had been writing for several years, primarily for children's TV, and had more recently moved into writing soaps and even pitching his own concepts for soaps and things. Uh, but he was still fairly new in the world of writing for, for adult primetime TV and Queer as Folk wouldn't come around until a little bit later, which is, of course, the thing that I think really sort of put his name on the map, as it were. Um, but certainly he was a known quantity and it was a fairly big deal compared to, you know, some of the writers that, that had been writing for this series up until that point, you know, there were some who, who'd had experience of writing on, on classic Doctor Who. And, and then you had people who'd come in from the world of say fan fiction, like Paul Cornell, um, who of course would later go on to write for uh, the revived show. But RTD, I think was probably still one of the bigger names, but certainly wasn't a name on the scale that he is now anywhere close to um so yeah that gives us at least a little bit of context for where where this comes from and this is kind of i think fairly slap bang in the middle of a series arc if you like within the, the novels themselves you know we're picking up with existing companions named chris and Roz. um there is an ongoing overarching story to do with like I don't know, psionic powers, mm. vampires and stuff that gets touched on. I, I don't have really masses of context for that, so we won't talk about much uh, in terms of that. But I, I've got a lot of thoughts about this book, but uh, you've already sort of kind of intimated, Matt, how you felt. But I, I wanted to quickly get a little more detail on what your reaction to this novel was. Uh, once you finished reading it, um, I I didn't enjoy the tone. It's very grimy, isn't it? And everything's sordid mm. and dirty. Everyone's got a dirty yep. little secret in this story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I just didn't like the plot. Like it yeah. starts off as one thing, then it becomes another, then it's something yeah. else entirely. Right. And let's be honest, it gets very silly towards the end. Uh, towards the end, I was like skim reading it. I, I started <laughs> making notes at the end of every chapter, like what happens yeah. in that chapter. And I stopped yeah. at chapter five because I just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, certainly, I, 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 I found myself... I found myself enjoying it less and less as it went on. Yeah, I, I um, 100% agree with that statement. And 
I think that's a great shame. Because, uh, so I think, I, I'm, I, I want to be clear, I'm very grateful to have had the nudge to finally dip a toe into the world of Virgin uh, New Adventures and specifically looking at um, RTD's first contribution to the world of Doctor Who. That in itself is a fascinating thing. And you can definitely see the elements that, that RTD brought over into his take on Doctor Who. You know, you've got um, working class families with the name Tyler, no less, you know, popping up in there. Um, overt references to um, to uh, gay people, which shouldn't be significant but was when he was doing this in novels in the 90s and still was when he was doing so in uh, Doctor Who in 2005. Mm-hmm. Weird as that is to think about. Like, to be that upfront and open about those kinds of themes um, was something of a novelty. Um, and... Uh, I, I don't know, there's just... His interest in social themes coupled with a, a certain kind of cynicism, I think. I don't think RTD gets recognised enough for, for how cynical a writer he can be, how pessimistic he is about human nature mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I don't say that as necessarily a bad thing, but I do think it is a notable feature of his writing. And it this and it is rampant in this book. Um to the point that I found it quite oppressive at times. Yeah. And I... when 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 humour does poke its head over the parapet, it is the blackest of black humour imaginable. Um I'm thinking in particular of, of of a sequence towards the end where we get these little almost flash fiction sketches of all these people that have uh, taken this this tainted cocaine. Uh, for reference, listeners, this we're not going to go in detail about the plot, but uh, it, it it basically features this cocaine that's been tainted with with uh, a sort of time lord technology that basically turns them into sort of we get these sort of moments of full-on David Cronenberg-style body horror, effectively. Yeah, so ordinary cocaine causes fissures within the brain, whereas this causes fissures in the brain through space-time and random space shrapnel comes flying through it. Yes, yeah. I think that's probably the best way to do it. kills you but turns you into, like, a big metal robot monster. Yeah. And vampires. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's bonkers. It's bonkers. And like when that's when those scenes are happening, like it is funny, but in like as I say, jet black humor way. And and again, it's that thing that this is this is very different to the kind of Doctor Who that I like. You know. I'll, as a Doctor Who fan, yeah, are you inclined to read any more of these Virgin New Adventures? Because, like, I don't care about yeah. Doctor Who, so it's easy for me to just um, say, no, I'm done. They, I, what I would say is they are 
low on my priority list and this experience has probably put them a little bit lower because I was aware that they had this uh, reputation for sometimes trying to be a bit edgy and, you know, pitching to an older audience. But this has really hammered home to me that this is not the kind of Doctor Who that I personally like. Um, for one, I'm not a big fan of Doctor Who in prose. I think you lose a lot of what I personally love about Doctor Who, which is, for me, the hierarchy is TV at the top, then probably audio, because you at least get human performances and you get to hear someone playing the Doctor and the companions and the, the supporting cast. And uh, that, to me, is a more immersive thing. And, and uh, you know, I love the character and I feel the character comes to life best when you've got someone playing them a little below that is probably comics because I like the visual element and I like with comics you 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 get a chance to see sort of the weird vibrant worlds that only ever get referenced in passing on t TV's Doctor Who because they don't have the budget for those kinds of things so you get more of a, more of a sense of that more like Star Wars-y kind of look to Doctor Who that, that you can't really achieve on a regular basis on the show. Um, so I enjoy those. And then novels for me come dead last because I don't have the visuals. I don't have the performances. Um, it's not my, it's not my preferred way of consuming Doctor Who. And then added onto that is the fact that because it is going for this sort of 18 rated, um, you know, overt references to sex and, and violence and really horrible stuff at times um, that, for me, doesn't feel true to the spirit of Doctor Who. Doctor Who, to me, is a family show, and I, and I think it should be pitching itself around that PG-12 area i think if you go much beyond that you're getting to the realms of something that doesn't really feel like doctor who to me and ultimately i i i i i think doctor who should be optimistic in nature and this to me feels like a deeply pessimistic book um there are very few in the way of happy endings here um and it it's um it feels bleak to the point of being contrived. So, yeah, it, I'm not keen to read more of these, but <laughs> especially no. considering that, I... that this is one written by one of the best writers to ever write for Doctor Who. If this is what, what RTD does with this series, what is a lesser writer going to do? Like, I, I didn't like the characterisation of the Doctor. I didn't like... The companions. All mm. the side characters were all weird. Uh, yeah. Like, if you'd have given me this and said, oh, it's not Doctor Who, it's something else, I probably wouldn't have noticed. Okay. So, yeah, I, 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 I see where you're coming from with that. I think I, I've got... I've got some notes in terms of stuff that we want, might want to talk about in a little more depth. So um, let's let's hit on those and then we can um, sort of see if we, we can summarise things a little. So um, let's start with the setting. So this is primarily set on contemporary Earth, 
London, a council estate. Uh, already, can you see the similarities mm. between uh, what we get in 2005 uh, and, and this? Um, and that's our primary focus. So we get a lot of glimpses into the lives on this estate. And it's, you know, people with dark secrets, people involved in crime. Um, there's one couple that is repeatedly referred to that are basically operating a brothel out of their flat. Yeah. And often yeah. using underage girls, I think, if memory serves. They reference that some of them at least appear to be underage. And, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that that happened and does happen in the real world. But it's like, it almost feels unnecessarily bleak. Um, like, like, that's just like, I don't want that in my Doctor Who. There are there are other there are other ways to to tackle those kinds of issues, because it's it because if you're gonna talk about that, confront it head on. Don't just have it as like a tossed off thing to just add a bit of color. That that's it. Like everything's just thrown in here. Now, the one yeah. I wanted to talk. about... It's a very about kitchen sink is, approach. Is it Harry the gay man, the gay character? Yes. And yeah, so Harry's is older, closeted got, gay man. Like, yeah, but, like, where he's writing about his shame at his homosexual feelings, but then yeah. that's not part of the story. It's just kind of there. Yeah, um, it's just a subplot. And like I, like I say, that's a brave... That's a that's a brave and interesting thing to be throwing into um, a, a Doctor Who novel, but it doesn't feel integrated. Yeah, that that's what I'm trying to say. It, it yeah, it just seems tacked on. Yeah, it's there because that was something RTD wanted to write about. But it's almost like if you want to write that novel, write that novel. That's an mm. interesting story to tell, but we don't need it, it, it it's not a doctor who story yeah um so yeah uh, but that's that's kind of our setting i think that's an it's an interesting setting for a doctor who story but i'm not sure that the end result is an effective use of that setting so i guess the next thing to talk about is the plot of this um, so you've got two main strands of the plot, as I see it. You've got the Doctor hunting down this sort of tainted batch of cocaine. Already, oh my goodness, doesn't that feel like that's a very late 80s, early 90s kind of storyline. War on drugs, isn't it? War on drugs. It's like, it almost feels a touch puritanical. Like, um, to be clear, I'm not. I'm not here saying that drugs can't be incredibly harmful and and, and can destroy lives. That they absolutely can, um, but the approach here, at times, almost verges on the "just say no, kids" kind of 
approach. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little on the nose, isn't it? A little preachy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I think, where I think that the, the the debate for, around drugs really needs to be more around accepting that people are going to want to access them and thinking in terms of like, well, how do we ensure their safety? <laughs> how do we, how do we mitigate the damaging effects of these products and how do we take them out of the hands of criminals? Um, that's where I think the debate should be headed. Um, but here it almost feels like the doctor is advocating for tighter restrictions <laughs> on, uh, on, on on drugs and and uh yeah it, it, it that it and to be fair i think it probably read differently in the 90s than it does today when when did the doctor change from like a student and observer of world events to some tough gumshoe narc yeah um i would say around now around around the wilderness years we get hints of it in particularly mccoy's final series that that you know this sort of sense of oh there's always a master plan um there's always you know he's always one step ahead of his opponents even when he doesn't seem like it and lots of people love that characterization that is not my kind of doctor i much prefer the just passing through and, and mucking in where they can kind of doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea that the doctor is actively on the hunt for some injustice or other. Um, that to me feels... And to me, it, it almost reduces them to the status of any other hero. You know... Where, you know, like a, like, so, you know, a Batman type character who's just, you know, always on the prowl looking for trouble. That's, that's not my doctor, really. My doctor is someone who's in it for the adventure, in it because, they're, as you say, they are a, a, a perennial student of the universe. They're there to discover and to experience and to share that joy of discovery with their friends and as a result they sometimes become a bit of a trouble magnet and fortunately over the years have built up a variety of skills and expertise and and, and knowledge that allows them to wriggle out of that trouble and perhaps help a few people along the way and I think there's something quite wonderful about that about just being someone just trying to enjoy their life and but not turning a blind eye to injustice on the way um, but that's not the doctor we get here. No. We we get a doctor who is, you know, dark and mysterious and brooding and barely present. <laughs> that's the other thing. When we're talking about the doctor in this story, he doesn't show up for like, what, three chapters? Yeah. Um, there's so much going on. He's barely a factor in this story. Yeah, and as someone who, I've said before, my favourite character in Doctor Who is the Doctor. Mm. I, I, I don't, 
it, it you've got to have you got to have a really good story to tell you know like blink something like that to get me on board with the idea of we're going to have we're going to tell a story where the doctor's barely going to feature yeah i want the doctor to be an active and continual presence in the story um unless you've got very good reason to reduce their role and to be honest but by the end of it he, he is rubbish in this like the the body count of this story is enormous yeah and, um you know we've talked about it in torchwood like yeah. the doctor's just you know cool with it in the end just gets in the tardis flies off see you later yeah, like leave, leave, leaving just so many lives ruined, so much devastation. You know, dead children. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, and it just, it's its genuinely very upsetting. So I like, I, 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 like I said, I didn't, I didn't, I found it a fascinating experience reading this book, but by no means an enjoyable one. Yeah. Just a deeply upsetting one, by by and large. Yeah, I, um, I, I can see why BT encouraged us to do it, but no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, one more thing that I think we... we a couple more things. So let's talk briefly about the companions. I say briefly because let's be honest, there isn't a lot to them in this story. Um, uh, I mean, we are at a slight disadvantage in that they are already established and there is a degree of assumed knowledge on the reader's part in terms of knowing who Chris and Roz are. But they don't get a lot of characterization. Chris's most notable feature seems to be that he gets his ear pierced and it becomes infected. That gets yeah, referenced really pretty much every blue time. Jeans, white he appears. Oh boy, does he! He goes clothes shopping and buys it because he's exactly such a hunk. So yeah, that seems to be his deal, and Roz. I mean, I think they're both like sort of law enforcement from the future. I think is the thing. Yeah. Uh, if I'm right in saying. Um, and so, yeah, Roz does some sort of like policey stuff at one point, but you never really get a sense that she has any kind of inner life. Like, yeah. what are her aspirations? What are her motivations? What is her personality? Throughout the story, the Doctor's like, oh, will the pair of you go do this? And mm. it's always like, oh, can you just go watch this man? And then we just yeah. get narrated the scene of what the man's doing, whereas they don't actually do anything. Yeah, they're not terribly active participants. There is a whole subplot where Chris sort of befriends the younger gay character, the, the sort of the, uh, the, uh, the openly out gay character... Uh, who I think is called uh, David, isn't he? Mm. I think I might say fellow so David. Harry. Um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, David is his lodger, 
and who who was That's a right. sort of a friend of his his uh, deceased wife. And yeah, Harry has Harry, I think, has the most complex and interesting emotional journey of anyone in this story in that he is, um, you know, he, he, he has these con- um, conflicted feelings and resentments and jealousies and, and, and guilt and all kinds of things that, that, that come from having lived a lie your whole life and not knowing a way out of that. And we do get, I think, the, the the truest optimistic moment towards the end of the the story where he finally kind of accepts who he is, and is going to start. You know, mm. he's sort of saying to to David, "We're just the same. We're just the same," and that's quite a beautiful moment. But you know, in the context of what happens in this story, it feels, yeah, disconnected, in a way. Um, we should probably also mention um, the other main character, which we've not actually touched on yet, which is uh, Mrs. Jericho. Yeah. Who, There's a whole let's be honest, plot, is right? yeah, is sort of the 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 literal damaged goods, if you like, of the of the story. A woman who's basically uh, got some deep psychological problems. Uh, and has she has a wealthy husband and they've had difficulty conceiving children and they end up uh, basically purchasing a child on the black market from uh, who who is one of a set of twins um, from a woman who who is on this housing estate and it turns out there's all kinds of you know the child that they buy has all these kind of health problems turns out that they're like somehow psychically linked to the, to the twin and it gets a bit twin dilemma, doesn't it really? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that whole plot is weird and bad. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I, I was reading that. Not bit. fun to read. And I was quite interested when it was like, oh, we've got this son and he's poorly. Yeah. And then she thought yeah. the other boy was her son. And I was like, oh, maybe they're going to do a bit about like her mental well-being and, you know, she's maybe seeing things. Yeah. And then it was like, yeah. um, oh, but this other boy was sapping the life out of your son because he's a vampire. Because yeah. there was a big war in the Age of Darkness. Yes, yeah. We get what, yeah, what and, on earth is that? Okay, so that's that's all stuff that's kind of established in in bits of classic who, but the whole vampire mythology stuff it's it's never been my favorite part of Doctor Who. Um and it's it's something that like basically only really comes up in one story. And for whatever reason, is something that people within the world of novels, comics, stuff like that, it just get ends gets endlessly brought back to. And I'm like, what is the obsession with this? It's not it's not a part of Doctor Who's lore that I find particularly interesting. Um, and also, like I've never managed to piece it together in a way where it makes a lick of sense to me. <laughs> so maybe that's part of the problem for me. Um, but yeah, I I just again it just just stuff that that is the way that whole story plays out is just deeply upsetting start to finish, 
you know, no. And she's so unhinged that she, uh, she behaves in a way where you lose sympathy for her sort of by a quarter of the way through the book. Um, and then, but you're still forced to spend so much time with that character. Yeah. Whilst she does so many awful things. It's just her walking around, shouting, being horrible to everyone she meets. Yeah, yeah. Really upsetting. She, you know, straight up murders people. Um, And then, as if that's not enough, by the end of it, she's turned into this sort of like um, just rampaging cyborg monster. (laughs) Yeah. RGD really has some some mother issues, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, he like, like I might go as far it's as toned to say down. this is the worst Doctor Who media we've consumed. Really? Yeah. You'd go that far? Worse than Fear Her? Worse than Legend of the Sea Devils? Yeah, they were over quickly. Yeah, worse worse than that episode of Torchwood we watched recently with 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 the sex gas. Don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna say it is. This is the worst. Uh, certainly, at least I could bash that in, that out in 45 minutes. This took this took a while to read, um, yeah. and I don't think I ever want to yeah. read it. For again. context, I read yeah. five chapters of this book about three months ago. Forgot we were doing it and read the final ten chapters today. It took me three hours, and I was really annoyed. Yeah, I, that can't have been a fun experience. It's probably not, let's be honest, not the way it was designed. But, um, yeah. So, I, I guess, um, one more apology, curator. I'm sorry we both didn't enjoy this. Because, um, you know, I'm sure you shared it in good faith. And I hope the discussion has at least been interesting. I hope it hasn't just felt like we're tearing apart something that you, that you cherish. Um, because... People do. I think it does divide opinion. I don't think we're out on a limb that we're the only people that dislike this. This is not everybody's cup of tea. Um, and that's fine. You know, not everything is for everyone. But as I say, this this to me, this is like a textbook example of everything that I don't want Doctor Who to be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree um, with that. And I don't even really like Doctor Who, so... Yeah, it, it almost to me it feels like an attempt to do some kind of grim, dark American sci-fi horror blockbuster. Um with 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 a Doctor Who skin on top. And as a result, we lose all of the charm inherent in Doctor Who for me. Yeah. You know, there's no sense of joy. There's no sense of fantastical wonder. Um, there's no sort of silly British humour. It's, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it was just a slog. It was just a slog at the end of the day for me, unfortunately. Um, but it's over now. But it is over now. It is over now. Um, so I'm going to let everyone know what we're going to be doing for our next bonus episode, Matt. Oh. Um, so, Sonia, 
the Duchess herself uh, requested that we look at a um, a war doctor story. Her suggestion was potentially for uh, Engines of War, but that's another novel. And whilst that is one that I am interested in reading at some point, we've got to bash these out. Yeah, we don't have time for it. No more novels, I think, at this point. Unfortunately, we just haven't. We're not going to have the time for that. Um, but she did say, uh, alternatively, if David has any suggestions for a big finish, uh, maybe one of those. I do indeed have a suggestion. Um, my suggestion, Matt, is that we discuss the Neverwhen. The Neverwhen. So the Neverwhen. The The Neverwhen. The Neverwhen. So that. Yes. Can you spell that for me, please? So, N-E-V-E-R-W-H-E-N. The right. never when. Tell you what. All one word. It's like, like the answer to today's countdown conundrum. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, so that is a Big Finish audio. Um, I believe it is part of the second box set. Um the the, ne- the name of which eludes me for now. Uh, I apologise, listeners, um, because... If you wanted to pick up that box set, not the cheapest. It does go on sale sometimes, so maybe keep an eye out for that. Um, but it, that story in particular, I think, uh, is a good one. I hope, I sincerely hope Matt will have a good time listening to John Hurt in action, in a starring role as the Doctor. Because, um, you know, that's an exciting prospect, right, Matt? Yeah. 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 I'd hope so. Um, so we're going to be doing that. I won't make any promises as to exactly when that's going to be, but do keep an eye on your feeds sooner or later. That bonus episode will be popping up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hopefully be another mildly diverting experience for you all. Um, but until then, as always, thank you ever so much for listening. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.